Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Descended upon him, he withstood the temptations of the devil. So we pick it up in verse 14 and says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. You know, that needs to be our custom to go to church. It's amazing to me how people, you know, they want God, what I call, on the back end of their problem instead of on the front end. (laughs) Amen. You say, what do you mean? Well, uh, you know, you can come to church and you can study the Word and you can learn to pray. And you can avoid many of the problems and pitfalls of life. And then when the enemy does, does, have, uh, does attack you, you've got authority, you've got power, you're already, ready, you're already ready to demonstrate his defeat. Or you can spend your life in recovery, which is a terrible way to live. God doesn't want you living in recovery. He wants you to live blessed. Amen. So it ought to be our custom to be in church. It says there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. That it may be with an E in your King James, but it's actually the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, every time, every Bible I've ever had, right next to where it says he found the place where it was written, I've always wrote right in that little gap about him. He found the place in the book of Isaiah where it was written about him. Now, you've got to understand something. One of the best ways to study the Word of God in your own personal life is to find the places where it's written about you. You will find most of those scriptures in the letters written to the church, mostly through the Apostle Paul, but there's also James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, the Apostle Peter, and John, the beloved. Now, you will find scripture, such as 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things are... That is written about you. Now, you either leave leave it on the page and leave it a general scripture that belongs to the body of Christ, or you make it personal and put your name in it. Amen. The Word of God never works until you begin to make it personal. And until you begin to take the pronouns. I had a guy, heard a guy preach a message one time called Powerful Pronouns. And he went into the, how many know what a pronoun is? It replaces what? A noun. A proper, uh, the name of a proper place, person, or thing. Uh, so you got to take the pronouns. Everybody say, take the pronouns out and put your name in. I've told the story before. I thought it was really neat. I heard it years ago of a man that, that, that studied the book of Ephesians and he could not get understanding of it. So he took the book of Ephesians and he removed all of the pronouns out and put his name where every pronoun was, where every us and them, and that. he put his name in there and he took all the chapters and he took all the verses out and he wrote it in a letter form. And then he folded it up and he put it in an envelope and he went down to the post office and he put it in the mail and he came home and declared this, I'm going to get a letter from God. I'm going to get a letter. And he began to tell people all around, that, I'm going to get a letter from God. I'm going to get a letter from God. And I think, it's, I think they said it took two days. After two days, he went out to the mailbox and there was that letter he'd mailed to himself. 
He had his address on it, and up in the return address it said God. And he went into his house, and he opened it up, and he's waving around. He's telling his wife, I got a letter from God. I got a letter from God. He said when he sat down and read the letter, he had perfect understanding of the book of Ephesians because he had made it personal. Now Jesus found the place where it was written about him. Find the places in the Word of God where it is written about you, where it talks about your salvation, where it talks about your redemption, where it talks about your healing, where it talks about your blessing. Because that's the area of the Word of God that's going to cause you to walk in overcoming faith. Now notice this. He began to read verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now verse 19 says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book. Do you see that? To preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book. If you see that, say amen. If you see that, say hallelujah. So that is not the fullness of, of what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 61. In Isaiah chapter 61 it says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Now Isaiah being a messianic prophet, which means a prophet that saw into the future and had understanding of the Messiah, the Redeemer of Jesus Christ. Isaiah being a messianic prophet saw both comings. Everybody say both comings. He saw both comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first that would bring redemption. The first that would usher in mercy and grace. The first that would bring salvation to the suffering human family. And the second which would bring judgment. Amen. You want to make sure you respond to the first coming. Because you don't want to live in the day of the vengeance of our God. That is a day of judgment. That is a day in which God will judge the earth and deal with his nation, Israel. Are you with me? Now, notice this. It says, and he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fashioned upon him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, we read past this for years and we never realized the weight of it. It says, and he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister. Now notice this little phrase, and sat down. Then he proclaimed, hey, I'm here fulfilling everything I was just reading. Now in every synagogue sat an empty chair, a very ornate, it was actually many times the most valuable possession of the synagogue. Many times it had gold in it. Many times it had silver. It was of a, of a velvet type material. Many times purple signifying royalty. And that chair was never, ever to be sat in. Except by one person. The only person that could ever sit in that chair was the Messiah. And Jesus, after he had made the proclamation out of the book of Isaiah, went up and sat down in that chair. No wonder all the eyes of that synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say, today these scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. Amen. Now notice this. And all bear him witness and wondered at his gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth and said unto this. Now notice this. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? 
And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was sent Elijah, none to the, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the prophet. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, now notice this, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Now, we see here this event played out in the life of Jesus. He returns not in divine power, let me say it like this, not in the divine power afforded to God, but in divine power placed upon a man who is in correct relationship to his God. He's walking as Messiah on the earth. He is ushering in the acceptable year of the Lord. He's not doing away with the law. He is completing the law. He goes up. He sits down in the seat of the Messiah. They automatically begins to challenge him through doubt and unbelief. That is a picture of the human mind even to this day. That's why it is so controversial to talk about Jesus. Because the human, man, the human mind does not have a place of acceptance in it for this Messiah, for Jesus. Only the human heart, only the human spirit hungers and thirsts after the things of righteousness. That's why you've got to make a decision not to be an intellectual Christian. You've got, to be a, you've got to be a spiritual Christian. You say, what's the difference? An intellectual Christian is religious. A spiritual Christian is a man or a woman of faith. Now, they got so mad that they let him out of the city and were going to throw him down headlong off the hill and stone him to death. But the Bible says he just, he just took his leave and just, and just left and just walked out. Now, notice what happens. This is interesting. We'll look at this in a couple of minutes and we'll be dismissed. It says, but he passing through the midst of them, that's verse 30. Is that 30? Yeah, 30. Passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his, do at his doctrine. Now notice this. For his word was with power. Everybody say power. Now, and in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. See, devils knew who he was. Devils know who he is today. Now notice, he's in the synagogue. And what's in the synagogue? A man with an unclean devil. Now, an unclean devil is not a devil that makes you not want to take baths. Amen. This is actually talking about a perverse spirit. A spirit that would get on a man or woman and pervert their sexuality. Amen. This is actually what it is. 
That's called an unclean spirit. That is unclean. Listen, those type of people in that day were obviously and very recognizably demon-possessed. In our day, we elect them to public office. Amen or oh me. It's still a spirit anyway. It's still a devil anyway. Needs to be recognized, needs to be cast out. But he cast it out. Now notice this. He cast that unclean spirit out. And and it says here, and Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace, come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Everybody say, hurt him not. Now, he told him, shut up. You say, why? God does not want devils proclaiming Jesus. He does not need the devil to proclaim what man should be proclaiming right now. Now, notice what happens next. It says, and they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this. Everybody say, what a word is this. For with authority and power he commandeth unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place and county, country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, that's Peter's house. And Simon's wife, mother, Peter's mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately he arose and ministered unto them. Now notice this, I love this. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands upon every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many crying and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and he rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, Notice this. He goes. Now he begins to do what? Minister with his word. Everybody say his word. He rebuked the fever. That's actually a spoken word. He rebuked the fever and it left. Then here came a whole multitude of sick people with all kinds of diverse diseases. And he began to minister to them through the laying on of hands. Everybody say the laying on of hands. Now not only that, other devils, other demons, they begin to cast out. Uh, he began to cast them out. They began to cry out to say, he told them, shut up, don't say anything. This is none of your business. Just be cast out. Now, the point we want to make tonight in all this that we've read is that the same spirit that came upon Jesus, he being the chief shepherd of the church, the good shepherd, shepherd of the church, the great shepherd of the church, he has received, according to Acts chapter 2, the same person and the power of the Holy Ghost and poured it out upon the church even unto this day. Two different ways. Everybody say two different ways. The Holy Ghost should be operating in the life of every believer. The Spirit that abides. Everybody say abides. Now that is the salvation experience which should lead lead to the redemptive lifestyle. Let me say it again. The salvation experience. You say, now why do you say it like that? Because a lot of people, that's all salvation ever was, was an experience at the altar. At a kid's camp somewhere, at grandma's altar in her church, or somewhere they prayed the sinner's prayer, but they never entered into the lifestyle of redemption. The lifestyle of redemption has its own language, has its own behavior, has its own attitudes, has its own power, has its own authority. Are you with me? 
has its own ability. It's all supernatural, and it's all divine. That means when you get saved, you need not just make Jesus your Savior. He needs to be your Lord and Savior. I ought to get a better amen. You say, what do you mean by that? A lot of people only want Jesus as a ticket to heaven. But if all he is is your ticket to heaven, you may live in hell here on this earth. But when he is the Lord and Savior of your life, then he is the one that sits on the throne of your life or lifestyle. That means salvation was not just an experience at an altar. Now you are living the redemptive lifestyle. You come to church. You read your Bible. You pray. You care about missions. You want to build the kingdom of God. You go into all of your world and you preach and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You live for God. It's that simple. You live for God. It's that simple. You live for God. A lot of people, they overcomplicate it, but it's not overcomplicated. You just make a decision. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. Amen. Then the, the Spirit that empowers, the Holy Spirit of God, that empowers, that comes upon with the evidence, the evidence of what? We see in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. We see an evidence, proof positive, that it's not just an abiding spirit, but an empowering spirit. Now, that is the dimension of power that came upon the Lord Jesus Christ. His human spirit was not like our human spirit. You say, what do you mean? His father was not Adam. You say, what do you mean his father was not Adam? Our father is Adam. You say, what do you mean? He is the fountainhead of the human family. Adam remains your father until you are born again. When you get born again, you go from light, go from darkness to light. You go from death to life. You go from iniquity to righteousness. You now have a new spiritual DNA on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells and abides in you. Jesus did not have that type of human spirit. His spirit was that of Adam's before Adam fell. An innocent, a spirit connected to God. But notice, just because he had that type of spirit, he never did any miracles, he never did any signs, he never did any wonders till the anointing came on him. When the anointing came on him, he stepped into the supernatural. He operated in seven Everybody say seven. He operated in seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit. The only two that he did not operate in was the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, which are two gifts unique to the church age and the church world. When the church received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, God did a creative miracle in disconnecting the communication center of the human being from his intellect and connecting it to his human spirit. So by his human spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the individual that receives the baptism in the Holy Ghost speaks in an unlearned language, unlearned by the intellect, but learned by the Spirit. Amen. Now, I, we're not teaching on that tonight. We just wanted to make that point. Those types of people, they cast out devils. They lay hands on the sick, the sick recover. They speak the word. What was that testimony we had 
Tuesday night. That was a great testimony. Uh, some of you that were here, uh, one of the guys, he comes to, is he here tonight? Oh, he's back in the back. Okay, anyway, uh, so he's here. He could corroborate this, but he told the testimony. I, I'll do my best to get it right. A friend of his, he requested prayer. So all we did in prayer was speak the word. This man had a cancerous brain tumor. They had already done the surgery, split his head open, went into his head, saw the cancer, could not remove it, closed him back up. Our brother came, made a prayer request. We spoke the word. He was not here for us to lay hands on him. But as a church, we took authority over the cancer. We spoke to the cancer. We commanded the cancer to die in his brain. How many remember when he told the story on Tuesday night that we're here? Now, he told the story that the doctors went back in, opened up the incision, looked back into his brain, and here's what they told him. Somehow that cancer had melted. It had disintegrated. And then they checked his physical body and his blood, and they said, we can find no cancer in your body. Island Church did not do that. Pastor Rusty did not do that. The 70-odd people that come to prayer did not do that. Jesus did that by the authority and power of His Word and by those that would release that Word with the same authority and power that He does. The pattern is set in the Word of God. I remember listening to a guy teach you who was God used very much in the healing ministry. And Jesus said, I always went, Jesus said to him in a vision. He appeared to him in a vision. And I believe his visions were correct because he's a man that proved it. Amen. He said in a vision, Jesus said he would preach this message everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he'd get up and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to recover the sight of the blind. Uh, to, to, to preach deliverance to the, uh, the captive To set at liberty them that are bruised uh, To heal the brother He said I would preach that Everywhere I went I would preach that message Now I want you to know The same anointing that was on Jesus Is on you See people have a hard time believing that But that same anointing is on you You can speak to sickness and disease You can lay hands on the sick You can cast out unclean devils Or any other kind of devil that torments you Amen. Now, demons will do what? They will oppress. What did it say in Acts 10, 38? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Sickness and disease many times is demonic oppression. People's behavior many times, addictions and negative sexual behavior, all that type of stuff is demonic oppression until it becomes an obsession. Then when it becomes an obsession, it'll take your life over. You say, what do I do? You get rid of it. You take authority over it. You speak to it in the name of Jesus. In the meantime, you, you follow the pattern that Jesus has given us as believers to proclaim, preach, to teach, give information, and to heal, demonstrate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's too young. Nobody's too old. God calls each and every one of us to do it. And when you see in the Word of God that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you understand that it's not people doing the work. It's His hand extended, His voice amplified, His power to set the captive free, amen, and to deliver the captive from whatever bondage they may be in. Do you love the Lord? Well, lift your hand tonight. Father, we bless your name. 
Thank you for Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's upon each and every believer in this house tonight. We thank you, Father, that the devil is defeated and that Jesus is Lord. And that the same healing power that was ministered to the Apostle Peter's wife, the same healing power that delivered those that were of unclean spirit in the synagogue, the same healing power that healed all that were oppressed of the devil, we have it today in Jesus' name. We can walk in the light of it. We can receive it for ourselves. We can demonstrate it in the, in the, in the world in which we live. And we can enjoy the benefit of it in Jesus' name. And everyone says...